No animals were harmed in the filming of this video. You're all wondering it. I think they did give the carrot eventually to that poor hamster. So welcome to part three of the series, Chasing Carrots. Uh, what I know is that everybody wants to be happy. It's just that everyone pursues maybe a different path to get there. What we're doing in this series is we're looking at some of the common ways we can just look around us for happiness. And so often when you look around us, those are just ways for us to get in this hamster wheel where we don't actually get happy, but it feels like we should be getting happy. And there's just this carrot dangling in front of us, this carrot of happiness. What we're doing instead is as we look at those common ways to seek happiness, we're replacing them by looking up. Instead of looking around, let's look up and see what God truly does to provide happiness. So the big thing we're going to get into today is the topic of being people pleasers. And so I have a question. How many of you would say that you are a people pleaser? It's kind of your tendency to be a people pleaser. Uh, I think it's quite a few people. And if you don't have your hand up, you must think that you're a jerk or something. (laughs) There's grace for you too. What I've found is that actually a majority of pastors, the vast majority of pastors deal with this, where we we have this tendency just to be people pleasers because we're up in front of a crowd, we work with people, we work with kids, and kind of the constant question that we ask ourselves is, do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like what we're doing? Is this okay? How can we change things to make you happier? And it's it's just this uh, people pleasing thing that we get into. But what I want to do here as we dive into this topic, by the way, this is one of the big ways that we get in this hamster wheel that does not lead us to happiness, and we'll see why in a minute. What I want to do is give you just a definition. What does it mean to be a people pleaser? Then I want to show you how you might know if you are a people pleaser, and then I want to show you the effect that actually comes along with being a people pleaser. By the way, we live in Minnesota, so we could be purple people pleasers. You like that? Here's what what it means. Uh, Being a people pleaser means I will be happy when everyone is happy with me. Can we say this together? Let's say it together. I will be happy when everyone is happy with me. Now remember, I don't want you to lie in church. This is a truth. If everyone around you is happy with you, you will be happy. The problem is, You don't have the ability to make everyone around you happy. We'll get into that. But this is the definition. You believe that you will be happy when you can make all the people around you happy with you. Now, how do you know if you are a people pleaser? There's a few things that these might jog some memories. These might be like, oh, yeah, I am a people pleaser. Uh, Here's what it might look like. Criticism just cuts you to pieces. The moment someone challenges your performance or challenges something you've done and says that there's ways to make it better, it just makes your heart sink inside of you. In fact, for many of you, you don't actually have to receive the criticism. You just have to anticipate that some criticism is coming. It could be bad criticism that has no basis in fact. It could be helpful, loving criticism, but it just makes your heart get cut into pieces. You might be a people pleaser if criticism is really something to deal with. You might be a people pleaser if you obsess about what other people think. Some of you, you've had conversations like yesterday, and you've been replaying over and over one sentence that you said in the midst of this huge conversation, and you're worried. Did I say the wrong thing? What is she thinking? What is he thinking? Are they mad at me? What's going to happen? What's going to... And we obsess over what they might be thinking about us. And this, I think, also applies to text messages. You send your message, 
and you don't see the bubbles coming up. You're like, what's going on? Why aren't they texting me back? It's been 10 minutes. What's wrong with me? What's, what did I say? We obsess about what other people might think. A third thing is you might be overcommitted all the time or even just most of the time. Because when people come to you and say, can you help me with this? Your default answer is yes. By the way, there's a book for that. It helps you to say no. But if, if you're a people pleaser, you can be so overcommitted because you believe that your primary job in life is to make the people around you happy with you. Fourth thing that might come up is you are paralyzed by unresolved conflict. This is the worst for people pleasers because if there's unresolved conflict, you know they don't like you right now, but you're worried that if you try to fix it, it'll only make things worse. So there's conflict in the background and you just, you don't want to address it, but you have to address it and you're just paralyzed by this fear of having to go into this conflict. Now we could keep going on and on and on, but I think these are some of the main ways the main signs that might tell you that you are at least partly a people pleaser. Now, what does this do for you? If you leave, live your life trying to win the approval of the people around you, what effect will that have? One thing I noticed, people pleasers commit themselves to wearing several hats. Here's what I mean by that. Some of you have the mom or dad hat, where when you go home, your mom, your dad, and you have to please your children. And you view it as your role to give your kids the best life possible. So maybe that means you overcommit. Maybe it means you sign them up for too many things. Your life is crazy because you want to please your kids. That's your mom or your dad hat. Some of you have a spouse hat where you're a, you're a husband or a wife. So when you go, go home, you're, you go into put on my husband hat, got to do what's nice for my wife because I'm expecting her to have her wife hat on and she does what's good for me. And so you kind of go into the relationship like that. Some of you uh, are wearing a son or a daughter hat. I think this is even more common, where whenever you're with your parents, you put on a hat that you know that they think they'll approve of, things that maybe complement what they do or whatever. Um, I think all of us right now have on the same hat, the church hat. You can be screaming in the car on the way here, but once you walk through those doors, your life is perfect. You're happy. Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah. And, and we can pretend, we can put on this, this you know, fake, uh, fake facade. Um, we can put on all these hats. And here's what I want you to think about. It is really exhausting trying to be all those different versions of you for all the different people. Some of you right now are managing so many different hats that it's only a matter of time until you drop one and you will be disapproved of by that person. Some of you are here knowing that you've dropped a hat. You've built up this, or this expectation where you would always be pleasing this person, but then you were so overcommitted somewhere else, you were not physically able to do what you wanted to do to please them. And now the thing that you thought would make you happy has just put you on this hamster wheel where happiness is never something that you can reach. So I'm going to ask you a question, and this might cut your heart a little bit, but I'm your pastor. I hope you, take, you can take it. Who's underneath all of these hats? You take off all these hats, and who are you? And why do you have a tendency, and I'll preach to myself, why do I have a tendency around certain people, around certain groups of people, to put on a hat that I know they will like. Who am I, who am I trying to hide? 
Deep down inside, we all know that trying to pursue happiness by making people happy is not something that we can accomplish. And I'll put it into words. It's something you know deep inside of you, but maybe you've never put words to it before. If you keep pretending to be somebody that you're not, it's only a matter of time until the real you gets found out. For example, real quick, if, if, have you ever experienced this? Maybe more as a teenager, but you're with one of your friends, so you got your friend hat on. And by the way, in high school and college, your friend hat makes you say and do really stupid stuff. You got your friend hat on, and so you're kind of, you know, hanging out with your friends, using your friend language, you know, doing your friend things, and then your parents walk in the room. And you're conflicted because which hat do I put on? And so maybe you just do nothing. Ever, have you ever been there? Maybe it's just me. But we get in these moments where we're conflicted. Which hat are we supposed to wear? Who really am I? And this should bring a certain amount of conviction to you and to me. Number one on your sheet, if people can't really love you if they don't really know you. And if you're just pretending to be someone so that you can get their approval, you will not find the happiness that you think goes along with people-pleasing. So why do we pursue this anyway? If we kind of know in the back of our minds that people-pleasing is just a model that doesn't work, why do we choose it, and then what's the alternative to it? Now, to get to the answer to those questions, first of all, I want to go to a, a proverb. And by the way, a proverb is just like a statement of wisdom, where there's a certain nugget of truth that's portrayed in, in a few words. And so the, the proverb I want to share with you actually comes from a great philosopher named Boy George. And I believe he is just more in tune with culture than anyone because he was literally in the culture club. Anyway, he's an artist, a, a songwriter, singer um, in the culture. Some of you are shaking your heads. He's in the culture club band, and there was a certain song that came out. It was really popular when I was in high school. I, think it, I don't know what year it came out, but it, uh, some of you are maybe thinking about it already. The song was Karma Chameleon. Karma, 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 chameleon, that song. And if you know it, it's going to be stuck in your head for a while. If you've heard this song, you've probably wondered, what is this song about? Karma, chameleon. Well, Boy George actually sat down with an interviewer once, and he gave a brief answer as to what the song was all about. And it has everything to do with this concept of people-pleasing. He really put his thumb on the main issue that's driving this behavior. Now, I'm going to start with the second half of his quote, and then I'm going to come back to the first half because he kind of gets to the result, and then he gets to the why we end up there. But here's what Boy George said about people-pleasing and about this song. He said, so basically, this song, it's about this. If you are not true, if you don't act the way you feel, in other words, if you're just putting on a hat to appeal to the people around you and to gain their approval then you get, these are his words, you get karma justice. I wouldn't use that phrase, but he did. That's the nature, that's nature's way of paying you back. You try your hardest to be someone different, to be liked, and he, he, what he's saying is, you are actually disliked because people will see that you are a fake. That's nature's way of getting back to you. So thus, karma chameleon. Chameleon means you just change based on your environment. You're, who are you? Nobody knows. You just keep changing. And the karma is 
Nobody will like you because of that. Before that, he got to the point. Here's why we end up doing it. Again, the philosopher boy, George. The song is about the terrible fear of alienation. And we get to stop there. The terrible fear of being separated from people. The fear of standing up for one thing. Because as soon as you stand up for one thing, you have a whole lot less in common with a lot of things. It's about trying to impress everybody. If you're a people pleaser, it won't happen. And he got to the heart of it. It's because we're afraid. And maybe it's because we believe the lie that everyone around me knows that I'm a failure, but I have to work to make up for it. The fear at the heart of people pleasing is something that an even more ancient proverb talked about. As great as Boy George was with his wisdom, there's a a proverb 3,000 years before that contained in the Bible that really helps us understand what this fear is all about. It says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. The fear of man. In other words, if you conform your life and your behavior because you want to fit in with the people around you, that is a trap. That will make you stuck and you will be vulnerable. Uh, The Hebrew word for snare, we don't usually use that word. And literally, the Hebrew is kind of crazy, gross a little bit. But back then, they would actually put rings in people's noses if they were slaves or if they were captives of war. And the reason for the ring in the nose was so that they could hook up a chain to it and just drag you along wherever they needed you to go. If you were ensnared, if you had that chain on you, you were stuck. You were powerless to what other people wanted you to do. Now, I thought about that in our context. We don't do the ring in the nose thing. But uh, as I was just trying to think of a much maybe low, you know, not so intense example, what I thought of was that um, it has to do with something I do when I, when I work out a few times a week. So when I go to work out, especially in the summertime, I don't have lots of, you know, sweatshirts on. I don't have coats. All I have is my workout clothes. And so I don't really need a locker. But when I go to work out, there's some things that I need to bring in with me, one of which is, is my bottle. I put a protein shake in here, so I fill it with ice, protein powder, and water, you know, I shake it up. And then the other thing that I need to get into the building is actually a, a little uh, scan card that, uh, you know, checks me in. So I have to bring my keychain with me. So to solve this problem, instead of having to, you know, manage all these things while I'm working out, I, I take this guy. Who knows the name of this? It's a weird name. I only learned it a couple years ago. These are carabiners. Yeah. Um, I clipped this onto that guy, and problem solved. I had more water in the first service. Problem solved. I take this around with me. I don't have to uh, mess around with my keys. I don't have to mess around with my water. I've got them both in one place. I can just uh, place them down. And the thing is, when I work out, I've got the protein shake, so I have to shake it up which is, first of all, embarrassing because everyone is looking at me. But then the other thing is I've got my car keys on here. I've got some other cards on here. I've got my church key fob on here. And the more I do this, I'm just cringing every time. Something's going to get messed up. Something's going to break. And yet the two are just joined together. And I think that's a good illustration of what we do when we people please. I'm sorry, this is a little cheesy. This is the best I could do. But we take our emotional well-being, we take our heart, we take our decision about whether we're happy or we're sad, we, we put it around a carabiner, 
And then we go up to a person and we put it around their belt and we say, there, you can have that. If you approve of me, I'll be really happy. If you disapprove of me, I will be, dis- I will be broken. It's like you are giving someone permission to have your emotional well-being in their hands and their opinion of you determines what happens with your emotional well-being. Fear of man will prove itself to be a snare. Now, if I was smarter, I would just go get a locker, bring a lock in with me, put my keys somewhere where it's safe. Someday I'll be smarter. That's my goal. I'm working on that. Maybe when winter comes, I'll be smarter. But here's the thing. We don't have to settle for putting our emotional well-being into the hands of another person whose emotions, whose decisions, whose opinions can change from hour to hour. The psalm continues like this. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Their emotional well-being, their, their foundation, who they are, is in a safe place that will not change. There is an alternative, and that is to have your heart with God to take that heart and to say, this doesn't belong to any person. Yeah, it's nice to have friends. Yeah, it's nice to be popular. But more important than those things is to have a purpose from God and to be loved by God. So I have to ask you a question. I think you, most of you know this. Either you're people-pleasing or you're God-pleasing. So I need to ask you the question, who have you, whose approval have, have you been living for? And I think for some of you, this is going to be a lot of thinking to do because you've been juggling a lot of hats, some good, some bad, but all of them are a cover-up for whoever is underneath all those hats. Whose approval are you really trying to get? Is it your children? Is it your employer? Is it your friends? Is it your parents? Who is conforming your behavior to the point where you are giving them control of your heart so that their approval means the world to you, but their disapproval would mean the end? Who is it? And and for some of you, maybe there's only one person or a couple of relationships or a couple of groups where you're like, I need to think about that deeper. I need to think on that more. And while you do that, I just want to show you too, this isn't just a, a happiness thing, but this can also have deep spiritual implications, which is why it belongs as a discussion here at church. You see, back in Jesus' day, we're about to look at a story from, from Jesus' life. The Apostle John was, was writing down this account of what Jesus was doing. And John's big point, as he recorded this in the first century, was to show all the miracles and all the amazing things that Jesus said so that the reader would come to the conclusion, yeah, this guy really was the Son of God. And it's as if John, in in chapter 12, he takes this little pause or this little break, and he says, now Jesus has been doing all these things, but some people have refused to believe who he is. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were all, you know, basically denying that he's not the son of God. He's blaspheming. They hated him. They They wanted nothing to do with him. Some people, on the other hand, believed in him, but then John draws to this third audience, this third crowd, and people pleasing and then the ramifications of it are, expl- are explained for us in this little moment here. So John says, at the same time, even among many, the leaders believed in him. Uh, many of the leaders actually did believe. Many of the Pharisees, some of the Sadducees, they, they kind of quietly believed that Jesus really was who he said he was. 
Some of you here today, you believe who Jesus is. You believe that he is not just some person who walked around on earth and had some good teachings and then died, but you believe that he was the son of God who came down from heaven, lived a perfect life, died an innocent death so that we can have a good relationship with God and that now he lives and reigns again. You believe that in your heart. But if you allow people-pleasing to persist, this is what can happen. But because of the Pharisees, these people who believed in him would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the community synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. People who saw Jesus face to face and who saw his miracles believed him. And yet their fear of man proved to be a snare. Their desire to have people approve of them held back their faith. This can happen to this day also, where it might be, not be this public proclamation of, of your faith, but uh, the thing that I know about all of you is that you've got this purpose from God. And when you decide to fear man instead of fearing God, what you do is you put a fork in the road between you and God's purpose for you. And when you hit that fork, you'll have a decision to make. Do you pursue God's purpose or do you pursue people-pleasing? Because if you go this way, you can please some people and make them happy with you. But if you go the other way and maybe win the displeasure of those people, you will pursue God's purpose. This is a spiritual issue that maybe hasn't fronted itself or maybe hasn't shown its head yet, but it is a spiritual issue. There's another example from uh, one of Paul's letters. He's writing this letter to the people in the area of Galatia, people who had stopped believing or maybe had just allowed the uh, false teaching that Jesus really wasn't the only way to heaven. Uh, these people were saying, well, maybe there's a different gospel, a different version where, you know, we sacrifice some and Jesus fills in the rest and there's just this mess going on. And so Paul, as he wrote them this letter, he said, knock it off. What I shared with you about Jesus being the only way to heaven, that is the only way to heaven. Anything else is a lie. And if someone says otherwise, they're naughty. He used different words, but you can read Galatians chapter 1. He pours over these people about how, how angry he was with them, and then he comes up with this statement. He says, now that I've told you all this, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people here? No. For Paul, there was no place in the path of his purpose for God to take second place. For him, people-pleasing was out of the question because he would not give up the purpose and the gospel which God had given him. Am I now trying to win the approval? No. But if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I was still trying to serve people or please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Maybe that day has come for you, and maybe that day has gone for you. Um, what I want to share with all of you, number three, real quick, if, if you've been trying to win people's approval, you're missing God's purpose. You're missing God's purpose for you. You've been putting a fork in the road that has diverted you from where God wants you to go. If you're living for, God, for people's approval, you are missing out on God's purpose. Now, some of you might be asking the question, what do you mean purpose? What is it that God has planned for me? Am I going to cure cancer? Am I going to free slaves in some country? What, what, what purpose? 
And quite often, no, it's not some huge thing like that. But still, some of you are believing right now that you have no purpose from God. He couldn't use someone like you because you believe that there's no way God could even approve of you. How could I even have God's approval? Because you know if you don't have a people-pleasing thing, then the alternative is God-pleasing. But you've already written yourself off of that perhaps long ago. Because the thing as Ben talked about last week, the things you've been carrying around from your past, you feel like those have disqualified you from God's approval and God's purpose. And so what you've done, you've actually made people pleasing your second plan. You tried to please God and it just didn't work. And you felt your guilt come back up over and over and over again. And you have told yourself the lie, I'm a failure. Everyone around me knows it, and so now I have to prove otherwise. And the longer you live in that lie, the more you will be on that, that uh, hamster wheel of trying to people-please, people-please, people-please. All it will do is leave you exhausted from all the different hats that you try to wear. So who's underneath those hats? Here's what I want to end with. Rather than believing these lies about insignificance, I want to replace that this week with a statement of truth. Number four, what God declares about me is more important than what others might think about me. You know what God declares about you? He declares that your sins were like scarlet, but now you are made white as snow. So far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your sins from you. His declaration, when Jesus went into his baptism, his declaration, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, that declaration was passed on to you by faith. You are God's son, you are God's daughter, with whom he is well pleased. You have God's approval, not because of your performance, but because of his declaration over you. Passage I love, 1 John 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. What God declares about you is so much more important than what other people might think about you. Would you realign your heart with that this week? Say this out loud to yourself every morning this week, and I believe God will use this truth so that your heart isn't just handed to the people around you, so that your emotional well-being is so jostled around, but he will use a truth like this to take your emotional well-being and your heart, and it will put it somewhere safe where it belongs. You are a loved, approved of child of God. And three quick things as we leave here. Number one, uh, live. Uh, um, As you take away this message, some of you for the first time perhaps will start to understand what it means to live in freedom. You cannot with your life win people's approval, but you can live under God's approval. That is an immensely uh, amazing uh, area of life where you can find some freedom for yourself. Would you just live in that? For some of you, the other thing is love. One thing we haven't touched on in this message is, well, if I'm not living to please people, does that mean I can just, you know, do whatever I want and not care about them? Well, no, you're you're still called to love. But I believe that when you are positioned on the foundation of what God declares about you, you will be in a better position to love than ever before. Because your love will not be dependent upon their reaction to it. 
Your love is based on where your heart is. And then the last thing is simply to learn. You see, when people do criticize you, whether it's right or wrong, when people do come to you with feedback, when people step into your life and say, what are you doing here? Instead of having to defend yourself, you can simply sit back, remember, what God declares about me is more important than what they think about me. That will put you in a posture to learn from whatever they have to tell you. Because newsbreaker, you could probably learn some things from the people who bring criticism to you. But this will put you in a position where you're not on your heels. You will have confidence in who God has declared you to be. So I hope you can come back next week because while today we talked about connecting your heart to people, next week we're going to look at what happens and the dangers of connecting your heart to maybe the things that you have. For now, let's close today with prayer. Dear Father in heaven, this, this can be such a, a tricky topic for someone who wants to uh, follow you because on the one hand, you call us to love people, but on the other hand, we can't let our emotional health be dependent upon them. And for us, the only solution that we can come to is to find our purpose and identity in what you've clearly declared. That's a truth that might take some time to sink in for us. It's not going to be a light switch that just flips on and off where we can go from people-pleasing to living under your approval. It might take time. It might take weeks. It might take months of having to repeat over and over in our mind that what you declare about us is so much more important than what people might think about us. Help us to grow in that area as we lean on you and lean on the brothers and sisters that you've placed around us. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.